Now rocking with the best, and we are back for a celebratory episode of Cowboys Crunch Time with KD, fresh off of a last-second 19 to 16 victory over the rival Washington Redskins. The Cowboys are now sitting at a disappointing four and eight, but only one game out of the playoff chase. I am, of course, joined in this recap episode by the one and only Mr. Joey Ike. Mr. Ike, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing well, sir. It's a victory Tuesday. Couldn't be any better. It is indeed a victory Tuesday, and the Cowboys, it felt like an eternity between the last time the Cowboys played and last night, because basically we went through two entire weekends of NFL games uh, with other teams playing before the Cowboys got back onto the field. And when they did, things were very slow to take on uh, the type of interesting game that a lot of people were looking for in prime time, but the ending of the game, no doubt about it, matched the intensity that people were looking for, and the Cowboys were able to pull out the victory. However, the seeds for that victory were planted early in the contest, as on the first drive of the game, the Cowboys' uh, last year's star rookie pick, Demarcus Lawrence, defensive end, had not one, but two sacks of Redskins quarterback Kirk Cousins. Now, of course, I've been as hard on Lawrence as anybody about his production, and it's more so not being hard on Lawrence, more so being the price that the Cowboys paid to acquire him and the production that they were getting in response to that. But talk talk to me about what you saw with Lawrence and whether this sort of thing, because it seemed a little different how the Cowboys attacked on defense last night. Talk to me about what you saw. Okay. Well, if we start with Demarcus Lawrence, he has been very close just about all year. He's had a game or two where he hasn't been quite as good, but he's been pretty good in most of the games so far this year. He just hadn't kind of taken that step into really being that true disruptive force that you wanted to see. And it finally appeared that he kind of took that step, as you said, immediately. The first play from scrimmage gets a sack. The first third down forces a sack fumble. Uh, so you see these things as tackles for losses. His stat line was was immense. Long in my my recap post on Bleacher Report, it took me, I think, two lines of text to get through all of the things that Demarcus Lawrence did in this game. Uh, So it was a a very, very good game from the young pass rusher, and it's exactly what you kind of hope to see, especially for a guy who missed the first half of his rookie season. He's kind of just now, if you include the playoffs, he played 10 games last year. He's now playing 11 games this year. So he's kind of just now really to kind of the midpoint or the second quarter of what would be his second season worth of games. And you're kind of starting to see the light come on for the kid. He's playing a lot better and he's where he's supposed to be and all those sorts of things. So it has to be exciting for for Cowboys fans uh, when you think about that. Uh, In addition to that, uh, from the defense, uh, we've talked about a couple of times before where they've had games where they've gone directly counter to their entire identity. They've done it on offense a couple of times. They've done it on defense once or twice. 
And last night, uh, the Cowboys, who are traditionally a four-man rush, seven-man coverage team, brought a significant number of dogs and blitzes. So a dog, in in most terminology, is five men coming in in the pressure, and a blitz is six or more. Uh, And one of the things that they did, they did it on the first play, and then I believe they did it again on the first third down that generated the two sacks. And I'll have to go back and look at the tape to verify it. But but on the strong side of the formation, or the right side, they really attacked the combination of Brandon Sheriff and Morgan Moses, those two young players inexperienced at those – I mean, Brandon Scherf's a left tackle in college, and he comes and plays right guard. They're trying to pull the Zach – Bill Callahan's trying to get cute, pull the Zach Martin with him. He's played okay on the season. He's not Zach Martin, but he's played okay there. And then Morgan Moses played a little bit last year, had a season cut short, really kind of, again, just kind of starting to get in the groove of, of playing full-time at the NFL level. So Rod Marinelli decided he was going to go after those two guys. And the way he did it several times, was by bringing a safety off the edge, usually Barry Church, off the edge outside of the right tackle, Morgan Moses. Then he would run a, a TE stunt or a tackle end stunt where the defensive tackle would go up the field to the outside towards, kind of towards the inside shoulder of the offensive tackle. And then the defensive end loops back into the inside around him. And the goal is to try to have the offensive guard going with the defensive tackle and allow the defensive end to loop around into the hole. And it worked to perfection on the first play of the game. And then they were able to get, get to him. They were able to disrupt some run plays with the same type of pressure look. And they were able to do a lot of things by taking advantage of those young players on that side of the line of scrimmage. In addition to that, we saw the odd front come back to 3-2-6 defense. They played against New England. That made some appearances in the game. We saw the four-man rush with the green front where you play two, three techniques instead of a one, a three technique, and then you bring both of the linebackers into the A-gaps on either side of the center, and you call that sugaring the A-gaps. So that kind of messes with protections, and you have a young quarterback with a, a relatively young offensive line, and you're showing them all of these different looks and different pressures and Rolando McLean came off the edge. He came in the A-gap. He lined up a defensive end. He, he lined up all over the place. Sean Lee was all over the place. Greg Hardy, Randy Gregory, Jack Crawford, Tyrone Crawford, all these guys were in the backfield just about the entire game. And really, it was, that was kind of the story of the game was all of this talk about how Bill Callahan had left the Cowboys and gone to the Redskins. And now the Redskins were going to be this great offensive line team in the future. And the Cowboys went in there with their defensive front and absolutely dominated the line of scrimmage for almost the entirety of the game. And it really set the tone for the entire game the way it was going to wind up happening. And they were able to really kind of sustain it for just about the entire game. Yeah, and it was uh, very interesting to see the combination of Sean Lee and Rolando McLean and the performance that they had, a combined 23 total between the two. Of course, Sean Lee had his uh, sack as well. So it was, by my estimation, the best defensive performance that the Cowboys have had, which is interesting because uh, this past weekend, of course, with the game here in D.C., Fish came. We had the, at, at Parlay DC Bar, Parlay Sports Lounge. I uh, had a bunch of Cowboy fans come out, and we were talking. And I brought up the fact that I was hesitant, but contemplating writing an article about 
the failures of Rod Marinelli. One of the bells and whistles that Rod Marinelli brings, he is supposed to be a guy that brings relentless pressure and his teams get sacked and his teams get turnovers. The team hasn't really done that under his stewardship since he took over. It wasn't that way under Monty Kiffin, and I think he kind of has been getting a pass. But his performance last night where he kind of strayed from the uh, basic approach that he's been giving uh, defensively for the game plan, he strayed from that. As you said, they brought the dogs, they brought the blitzes, they brought the three-man front, they, they uh, you know, brought the double-A gap pressure. It was, for me, a tremendous deviation from what we have been seeing out of this Cowboys defense. And for once, they didn't really fold down the stretch. Yes, they did allow the Redskins to march down the field with very little time left on that. Uh, on, on the game time drive, which, you know, would obviously be a mark in, up in the other direction about the performance. But overall, I would say that this was still one of the better defensive performances that the Cowboys have turned in. Did you have that sense, even despite giving up that last, uh, that, that late touchdown to Deshaun Jackson, that the Cowboys were playing better than they had in a while? Because we've had performances where they've held other teams to, to low points. I think the Cowboys, you know, yardage-wise are top 10 defense, points-wise are, you know, top 13, top 15 or whatever. But overall, as far as the pressure and and the overall impact on the game, this seemed to be one of the better performances. Yeah, I, I would absolutely agree with you on that. I mean, the, the thing about this defense is it's been trending in the right direction for a few weeks now, and that this is the third game in a row where they've held their opponent to under 300 yards of total offense. That's the sixth time this season in 12 games that they've held their opponent to under 300 yards. So that's how you wind up in that top ten. They were, I think, they were eight going into the game last uh, last night in uh, in yards per game by the defense. And I haven't checked the update on that since last night, but it couldn't have gotten much worse considering they gave up, I think, 260 something yards. So, uh, so yeah, they've been very good from a from a yardage standpoint. It seems like every game they usually have about one drive by the opponent that goes for more than 60 yards. So even when your opponent gets one or two first downs on you, they're going for 30 or 40 yards and then either being forced to punt from midfield or kick a field goal depending on where their starting field position was. So I, I've been the I've been the guy who's been the proponent of this defense has played good enough to win for really most of the last six or seven or eight weeks since kind of you got your got your cavalry back. Um, but but your points are valid in that the, the sacks haven't necessarily been there, at least not consistently. Uh, the pressure's been there. They've been in the face of the quarterback. They've affected the quarterback, but they just haven't been able to finish the plays. And we've talked a lot. There's there's the, the, the narrative out there that disruption is production from the defensive line, and to a, to a certain extent that, that's true. But there are there are effects of sacks and, and things like that that uh, that you don't get purely from disrupting the quarterback. And they needed those, and they got them against the Redskins this week. <laughs> and uh, and and the turnover thing, I mean, it's just uh, it's another the thing about this game. And they they the kind of the 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 story for it or the line for it is that it's the game with the funny shape ball. And so the ball bounces funny. It's it's really hard. It's, you can't predict the way it's going to bounce, all that sort of thing. So, I mean, again, on the first drive of the game, third down, DeMarcus Lawrence comes flying through, forces a fumble on Kirk Cousins, and there just happens to be nobody else there to recover the ball from the Cowboys. So it's, it's 
the one guy wins, he forces the fumble, he does his exact job, and the ball happens to bounce to the exact spot where the quarterback can fall on it. And we've seen over and over and over again this team get hit in the stomach with potential interceptions or mm-hmm. or all of these things. Basically, the point of this is the team has been put in position to create turnovers. They've created opportunities for turnovers just about every game. They've missed one to two opportunities for these takeaways. Um, and really, as far as a coach is concerned, your goal is to emphasize the importance of creating turnovers, uh, coach how you create them. In, in other words, the fundamentals of stripping the ball, how to read the quarterback, how to drive on the ball to make an interception, force them to catch a bunch of balls in the defensive backfield, all that sort of stuff. And then once you get to the field on Sunday or Monday night, put them in position with your schemes and your play calls to do the things that you've coached them to do. And that's something that's consistently happened over the course of the last several weeks and really all season. And the players just generally haven't converted for whatever reason, whether it's the ball bounces the wrong way or maybe they they just don't catch the ball, whether it's Morris Claiborne or Tyler Patman, or, I mean, we could go through the, the lineup of those guys who've had that happen to us. But I think it's difficult to place too much blame for not creating turnovers on a coach that we know coaches turnovers as hard or harder than any coach in the league. So, uh, again, the turnover thing I think is just a massive regression to the mean from what happened last year. Uh, and some of that's going to start to turn, I think, over the last month or so of the season. And then hopefully we'll see them regress back to a, a more natural mean over the course of next year as well. You know, one of the things that I talk about all the time are uh, toxic events and explosive plays. Uh, I pretty much bring it up every week, either on the podcast or an article. And one of the things I noted coming, leading up to the game was the fact that Washington is horrendous in their explosive play differential. I think there was something like minus 25, uh, which is just unimaginable deficit to be in. And sure enough, the Cowboys defense was able to limit them. The explosive play that the Redskins had on offense was the touchdown to Deshaun Jackson. They had one. Uh, meanwhile, the Cowboys had five uh, explosive plays of their own on offense, which uh, allowed them to overcome the three turnovers that they had, the three fumbles that they had, which, again, just goes to illustrate how devastating turnovers are. The Cowboys on offense were basically running roughshod in comparison, even though it was a low-scoring game, in comparison to the output that Washington was doing. But the turnovers even the score. The turnovers put the Redskins in the position to kick field goals that they had early. Uh, but overall, again, was a solid effort from the Cowboys in stopping what Washington was doing on offense. So from, from my point of view, I love the performance. I do feel like it was the best one that they've seen all season, but I take it with a grain of salt because Washington isn't a big play team. So I'm a little bit wary of how that projects moving forward with the offenses of Green Bay and Buffalo still on the horizon, uh, the Jets and Brandon Marshall, uh, those, those sorts of guys that, that are big play uh, big big play warriors. We have LaShawn McCoy, uh, Sammy Watkins. Obviously, we know what Aaron Rodgers can do without Jordy Nelson and with their uh, recent struggles uh, to score. They are still a very potent team. So the test will be there for the Cowboys moving forward. Now, on the Cowboys' side of the ball, we saw, again, the turnovers, including two fumbles by Darren McFadden. And he really didn't produce much in the running game. You all Everybody that listens to us knows how I feel about Darren McFadden. 
So I turn this over to you and I ask you, is it time for Robert Turpin to get more playing time based on what you saw last night out of McFadden? Um, I think if you just look at the way McFadden played, probably so. Uh, but again, I've been arguing for another running back to get opportunities since, uh, since August <laughs> for this team. So it's, uh, again, just like, just like you say, everybody knows how I feel about this particular running back. And, uh, uh, I think it was John Middlecoff, uh, who's on Twitter and I believe he's a former NFL scout for a while and worked in some college programs and stuff. He tweeted after the, the third down and one run. <laughs> That, that Darren McFadden couldn't make his mom miss in the hole, and uh, and and he 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 opined that there's probably not a more stiff straight line running back in the NFL, and that's exactly Which is what, what we've what been I, preaching it's, for it's, it's the whole year. Screaming, it's what I've been screaming since April or March, whenever they acquired him, was that he wasn't a fit, and that if you got him going downhill with blockers in front of him, he could be effective. And that's the things that they had kind of done for a few weeks to create the opportunities for him. And he, he averaged very good yards per carry in those types of situations. And, and last night they just weren't able to get it going for whatever reason. Maybe it was because they were behind the sticks. Maybe it was, who knows, field position, who knows. Maybe it was the fumbles and they didn't trust him last night. Uh, there's a lot of possible explanations. But uh, he's a guy who, who hadn't fumbled in like two years, I don't think. Part of that right, is limited right. touches, I think. That he just isn't a guy who touches the ball as much as he has over the last few weeks here in Dallas. Uh, and for him to, to not only fumble twice, but for both of those to be lost fumbles, uh, you kind of, A, you have to give some credit to Washington because they were going after the football. I mean, you saw it with, you saw it with the McFadden fumbles and you really saw it on the street fumble where street goes up and catches a ball and comes down and it's like he literally got caught from behind. By a, by a Redskin defender who just wrapped him up and stood him up there. And three or four Redskin guys just came in and, and, and just started ripping at the ball, pulling at the ball. And eventually, one of the things we've talked about with Devin Street and how he needs to develop, needs to get stronger in his upper body, tougher in, in contested catch situations. And his, his lack of upper body strength may have cost him a little bit there as he was going to the ground and the ball was being separated from his body at the exact same moment. And just another ounce of upper body strength in his back and his biceps might have been able to hold on to that ball a little bit longer. And he comes down, and now all of a sudden we're talking about a great play by Devin Street to go up the ladder and catch an 18-yard dig. Uh, and instead we're talking about another fumble. So, <clears throat> But you saw Washington going after the football. And it doesn't surprise you when the Redskins defensive coordinator happens to be the son-in-law of Rod Marinelli. We know how hard Rod Marinelli coaches going after the football, so you can't be surprised by that. Ultimately, you have to hold on to the ball. Um, and, and I said last night during the game that Darren McFadden does not deserve the same latitude that a certain running back received in Dallas last year in spite of all those issues. Darren McFadden is not giving you enough, especially not consistently enough. I think he's now been the starter for six games or seven games, and he's given you, like, real legitimate production in, like, three of those six games. And every other game has been just a complete dud. Um, and, sure, some of that can be on the scheme. Some of that can be on game situations. Some of that can be on the offensive line or the tight ends. Probably might be as uh, as applicable as any in that, in that assessment. But uh, – 
but at some point you got to get some sort of consistency out of your running game. And the hope has got to be, I guess, that, that you can get that from Robert Turbin. Uh, although he, he, I think he carried the ball six times for 12 yards last night too. So there just, there really just was not much available in the run game for the Cowboys last night. And it's just a good thing, like you said, that they were able to take advantage, get the ball to the outside, and Terrence Williams, that's Bryant, and guys like that, and make those explosive plays and uh, and move the ball to put them in position to give it to split them and, and score some points. There it is. Now, we're, we're up against our time, so before I let you go, I have to get your gut feeling. I have to get you on the record. The Cowboys are 4-8. and eight. It is a, a an abysmal NFC East division. They are only one game out of it. We know what's going on with, with the team schedule and the, uh, the their rivals' schedule coming down the stretch. What is your gut feeling about how this is going to end up for Dallas? Are they going to pull up this miracle? Um, it's really hard for me to see this team going from a complete inability to win with a backup quarterback to all of a sudden winning three out of five at the minimum would get you to six and ten, which – that would be just a ridiculous record to make it in the playoffs with. Uh, although it's although it's very possible and plausible, as I think you've done the exercise, I've done it as well. Uh, as you you narrow down through the tiebreakers and through the possibilities, it's plausible. But I just have a real hard time seeing Matt Castle beat up on a Buffalo defense or on a New York Jets defense or, or anything like that. To be honest. The, the main, if, if we were playing Green Bay in Dallas, I would feel somewhat confident going into that game just based on, I mean, that Packers offense has really just been almost inept for most of the season. The teams have just squatted on the short routes. The offensive line isn't that good. They haven't been able to run the ball. They haven't been able to get the ball down the field with Jordy Nelson out. And it's 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 been a, a, a really, really huge revelation considering – what that team normally is on offense to think and to think about what the Cowboys regularly are on offense in a normal season and what the Packers are, you're thinking you're going to see 60 points scored in that game and you may not see 30 in that game. So, <laughs> uh, so I, I'm fairly confident about that one. Uh, but there's just some, there's some defenses coming up that I just see this team having a hard time moving the ball against. And, uh, and it's, it's very, very difficult for me to see them, uh, Going, going two and two, or excuse me, yeah, going, going two and three over the next four. Or I don't two and two over the next four, or, or, or three and one even to get to, to seven and nine. Um, it, it would be very, very difficult for me to see that happening. So I I'd probably have to say no playoffs. But I think they do win enough game or two. But I just ultimately I think that that probably the Giants find a way to win one extra game and wind up ahead of them in the division and win it, I don't know, 8-8 eight eight or 7-9 and nine or something like that. Yeah, I tend to agree with you, but it sure is going to be fun over the next month seeing the Cowboys can not only play the role of spoilers, play the role of miracle workers. My man, Joey Ice, thank you so much for your time. Of course, if you're on Twitter, you need to be following this guy, at Joey Ikes. Make sure you do that. Again, as he mentioned, his uh, game day recaps on Bleacher Report for the Cowboys. And, of course, you can find him on Cowboys HQ on a regular basis, which would probably be more frequent if he wasn't one of the busiest men in America. Mr. Ike, thank you so much for your time, man. Hey, I appreciate it, Katie. Anytime. All right, man. We'll talk soon.
All right, and that'll do it for this episode of Cowboys Crunch Time with KD. Be on the lookout later in the week for part two when we will preview the upcoming matchup with the Green Bay Packers. That's it for now. Make sure you're following me on Twitter at KD Drummond NFL. We're out of here. Salute. Destined to win, get respect where I live. My reflection contagious. I'm the messenger here, making love to the streets. They be lusting for bread. They ain't sleeping until they know where a customer fed. When the city was chocolate, it was deaf in the air. All I'm hearing is AIDS. I ain't deaf in my head. Nah. I ain't deaf in my head, but it pushed them whites in the hood like Ray Evans was dead. Shout out to Turbo, he told me y'all would make it. Now me, Tony G, and Trey got the keys to the nation. Pray for peace with the babies, they're beasts in the summer. Cause he's feeding for trouble, he got a fiend for a mother. Got no leaders among them, got no oil to either. One police get the cuffing, bet his homie deceive him. See his car where they be at, on that boat like a pirate. Politicians fucking hookers, why he mad at my ganja? Kick them out of the city, for some whites who can pay up. Still dead. For neighborhood killing over what isn't theirs. Lost my nigga over nothing, though. Saeed Alicia, I miss you. God bless my brother's soul.